G'day folks, welcome back to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. I uh, had a week off last week unexpectedly, had a few uh, dramas at home, but yeah, back in uh, the podcast chair this week and back to bring you all uh, the latest Ubuntu security news. So we will start the week with uh, the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases over the past two weeks. Now, uh, there have been a fair few there, actually 143 unique CVEs, so we're not going to go into all of those, but I do want to dig into a few because I think they're yeah, really interesting. Plus, uh, a few announcements as well at the end, so stick around for those, particularly uh, some details around, I guess, the plans we've had to restrict the use of unprivileged user namespaces in uh, Ubuntu 23.10. It's going to be the Mantic Minotaur that is coming out uh, in, uh, later in October this year. So, yeah, stick around for that. But let's get into the usual uh, roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases this past couple of weeks. So up first, we had an update for GStreamer, both the base and the good plugins. Basically, uh, GStreamer is a library of various uh, audio and video plugins that you can chain together into pipelines to do sorts of audio and video processing. Uh, it's used by, uh, I guess, the default um, GNOME media player like Totem or nowadays called Videos and a bunch of others as well. So mostly uh, audio and video decoding. Uh, in this case, uh, an independent security researcher found a couple of vulnerabilities there. Uh, they were both reported uh, to the Zero Day Initiative, ZDI, uh, and I've got links to those in the show notes if you want to go and read more about it. One of these vulnerabilities is in the FLAC audio decoder and the other is in the PGS subtitle handler that's used obviously for video files. Uh, so both of these could be exposed uh, could be exploited through an application like Totem. And you know you might be thinking, oh, I don't play untrusted videos, but Totem can actually play uh, remote video streams. It even has a plugin that provides integration with Apple's video trailer service. So you can imagine it's not impossible. You could potentially be exploited remotely with this one. Um, as I say, there was an integer overflow leading to a buffer overflow and therefore a remote code execution in the FLAC audio decoder. Plus, there was a buffer overflow in uh, the PGS subtitle handler where it would fail to validate length before copying and therefore lead to a traditional heat buffer overflow and remote code execution as well. You may be um, familiar with uh, SRT uh, subtitle files. They're much more simpler text uh, files, but uh, PGS is, uh, has other media and other bits in them. Basically, can describe you know fonts and things like that as to how the subtitle should actually be rendered and the like. So yeah, a lot more complicated there. But they've been fixed for uh, GStreamer base and good plugin Vim was updated. Vim is very quickly becoming uh, the most updated package in Ubuntu for security fixes. Uh, basically, Vim offers a bug bounty. I've talked about this on previous episodes, but that does drive a lot of interest in people finding um, vulnerabilities in Vim and you know, getting a small amount of reward for those. I mean, I say a small amount, but I've never actually found out how much they do pay out for these vulnerabilities. And we classify almost all of these as low priority because Vim isn't generally being run on untrusted files. And even if it is, you're not running it with um, arbitrary arguments, which is what a lot of these require um, to be done. You know, you're normally just editing code or whatever it is, text files and the like, so very unlikely you could be exploited by just opening a file. You really need to open it and then run particular commands on that, uh, that buffer. But um, yeah, so as I say, a lot of these, you know, are they really vulnerabilities or not? Well, they get CVEs assigned and uh, people like to see that CVEs get fixed, particularly in a high priority application like Vim. So we fix them. Uh, so yeah, 11 new CVEs fixed for Vim going all the way back to 14.04, which is now uh, under extended security maintenance and all the releases since. What else? We had updates for Mara DNS for a couple of CVEs, uh, OpenJDK in the current interim release, the Lunar Lobster or Ubuntu 23.04 was updated to the latest uh, point release, so 20.0.2 to fix seven vulnerabilities. 
Uh, there was an update for GNU CPIO all the way back in Ubuntu 14.04. Again, obviously in extended security maintenance or part of Ubuntu Pro now. I actually talked about this all the way back in episode 130. Uh, this was an integer overflow leading to a heat buffer overflow if you're using untrusted pattern files with CPIO. That has uh, been fixed. Uh, I'm going to go over the rest of these really quick. What else? We had an update for Cargo, uh, Poplar, XML Tooling, Unix ODBC, uh, our latest Firefox point release for 12.04, uh, DOM PDF. .NET, that's right, Ubuntu is now shipping uh, .NET 6 and 7 in uh, our more recent releases. So we are part of Microsoft's Patch Tuesday, and that is the latest updates for .NET there for a few different vulnerabilities. We had an update for OpenSSH. Now, I wanted to talk about this one uh, because this is an update that actually isn't fixing a CVE necessarily, but it does add some mitigations in for an existing CVE. So the CVE in uh, question is CVE 2020-14145 and uh, this was a possible information leak during algorithm renegotiation with the client. Uh, we classified this as a low priority vulnerability. Uh, essentially in this case it's possible for a person in the middle to determine if a client already has knowledge of the server's host key. Now you might be thinking what does that allow them to do? You know, How is that really a vulnerability? But you can imagine that if you are someone that can intercept connections you could therefore um, if, a, if you know that a client does have knowledge of uh, the server's key you wouldn't go and then try to fake it out by saying well actually here's a key that you know you should trust as the server because they already trust the server but if uh, this client has never connected to the server before you can go and offer them your key and it's very unlikely that that client at the other end will actually check the key fingerprint when they print it out because SSH is based on trust on first use so you print out that uh, key fingerprint ideally the person connecting then goes and looks up that key fingerprint and goes I oh, guess that matches with the fingerprint for the server that I'm trying to connect to but most people don't do that they just trust the first one they're offered and that means then as an attacker you can go and offer them your own and then you can interpose on that ssh connection and do whatever you want steal their secrets or whatever else you might be you want to do uh, so the internal details of this vulnerability are reasonably tricky and upstream have decided that they don't um, think it's reasonable to go and mitigate it entirely that would change the behavior of how um, ssh works too much uh, it would violate one of the existing rfcs and others as well so they have released, uh, I guess, a partial mitigation in the form of a change to the client so that if the client already does know the service host key, it will still preserve the original algorithm ordering that it sends to the server and therefore will not leak that information or leak the fact that it maybe knows it. Um, that isn't a complete fix. It doesn't fix a whole bunch of cases where it still is possible for an attacker to use this as an attack. Um, but that's basically the same because upstream, you know, don't see that as the right way to fix it really. And they don't see that that's worth changing that behavior or worth breaking that change, you know, the the attack in this case is reasonably, uh, I guess, minimal and targeted and you know, not likely to be hit by this one. But yeah, it is interesting. Uh, in this case, we have shipped the only fix that Upstream are offering for it. You know, we're not going to go and change that behavior independently without Upstream blessing that. So yeah, that is just an interesting one because the CV is still unfixed uh, nominally, but this mitigation is now in place. Uh, we had an update for uh, bin utils for a bunch of vulnerabilities in Ubuntu 14.04, uh, Graphite Web, what else? Uh, the Velocity Engine and Velocity Tools were updated all the way back to 16.04. Then we had uh, a bunch of kernel updates. Uh, so for our kernel in uh, 23.04, was 13 CVEs were rolled into that. The kernel in 20.04, which is used as the hardware enablement kernel in 18.04, which is now under ESM or part of Ubuntu Pro, 16 CVEs were in that. And 14 CVEs were fixed 
for uh, one of our OEM kernels on 2204. Uh, in that case, it's based on uh, the upstream 6.1 kernel and it rolls in eight different high priority vulnerabilities. And a lot of these I've mentioned before in previous episodes, but there was one uh, in particular that I hadn't that got a bunch of media attention that I thought would be good to have a quick look at. That was called Game Overlay. And uh, as the name suggests, it affects the overlay uh, file system implementation within uh, the Ubuntu kernels. And this is specific to Ubuntu kernels. It's not actually specific to other uh, Linux distros or other upstream kernels. And I'll go into why uh, now. Basically, uh, Wiz Research, the researchers that found this, uh, noticed that some of the um, proof of concepts for a vulnerability that was discovered back in 2021, so CVE 2021-3493, still worked in some cases against Ubuntu even though we had shipped fixes for those vulnerabilities since. And uh, what was happening there was basically it was an, an interaction between some changes that we had made to the OverlayFS implementation back in actually 2018. Then uh, these changes in 2020 where we backported those commits for that vulnerability would then interact such that it wasn't entirely remediated. Uh, so in that case, we introduced uh, back in 2018 some changes to allow extended attributes to be uh, to to work better with OverlayFS. Then in fixing that uh, 2021 vulnerability, uh, that added additional checks around extended attributes in OverlayFS. And so now there are essentially two different code paths that handle extended attributes in OverlayFS. One of them, which is the change that happened in uh, 2021, got uh, these extra fixes to make sure that extended attributes were validated properly, but the original ones that we added back in 2018 and didn't. And that then meant you had a code path there that was still vulnerable to the original attack. And essentially in that case, what you're doing is propagating extended attributes up through the OverlayFS such that then a user can say, um, you know, execute a file that has say the cap uh, Mac admin capability or something like that and therefore get privilege escalation to root pretty easily. So uh, it was a pretty simple fix, uh, but it does, I guess, highlight uh, the danger of having um, a kernel where we have lots of different changes that are being managed over a long period of time. You know, the kernel team do an excellent job of making sure they stay on top of not just uh, local fixes that we're doing, like we did back in 2018 in this case, but then all the various stable kernel patch sets that come from upstream and the like as well, plus maybe patch sets that come from customers that want to enable different features or enable different hardware and the like or have different use cases. And so it is like a, a lot to manage there and so that complexity does sometimes uh, make it difficult to manage these things but they now have been fixed um, this in this case it did require uh, the ability to be able to mount a file system say you know with cat mac admin and to do that it is pretty easy in ubuntu you just use an unprivileged user namespace and you come root within that and then you can go and do that mount there uh, but it does give i guess one more argument as to uh, why we want to be disabling the use or restricting the use should i say of unprivileged user namespaces in future ubuntu releases and i will talk about that a bit more in this episode so stick around for that what else? So we had an update as well for Intel microcode. Uh, this is, I guess, the latest you know, Intel CPU vulnerability that we've seen. This one is called gather data sampling or otherwise known as downfall. And you know, it's one of these new vulnerabilities that has a nice name and has a cool web page and a logo and all the rest. So of course it got a bunch of media attention. As I say, it is another microarchitectural CPU vulnerability. The last one that we saw uh, was Zenblade, and that was specific to AMD uh, processors that I talked about back in episode 103. But as I say, this time it's Intel again. Uh, it affects uh, all the processors from their sixth through to their 11th generation CPU, so a fair few there. And it was actually presented at Black Hat just over uh, a week ago. Uh, the researcher from Google there presented that. 
Now, looking at these, it is kind of similar to Zenbleed, as I say, that we discussed back in episode 103, since they're both related uh, to the SIMD instruction set, which is uh, a bunch of instructions that work on uh, like a single instruction, but multiple data. The idea is they're often called vector processing instructions, uh, where you have, say, a lot of data in memory that needs to have the same set of operations performed on it, and therefore you can essentially kind of have that all pipeline together, and it's very useful for things like media and image processing and the like. As the name gather data sampling suggests, the fault in this case is in uh, the SIMD gather instruction. In that case, it's used to load data into a vector register from uh, a memory location. And you sort of do that by gathering together all different uh, bits of data that you then specify through an index register. So it's a way of kind of saying, I want you know, this bit of uh, memory at this offset plus another bit of memory at another offset and the like. And you kind of gather them all together into one big register to then perform a larger operation on that. Uh, as I say, it allows the efficient loading of data then that's scattered amongst memory to kind of gather that together, as the name suggests. Uh, but in this case, the vulnerability does happen under speculative execution, which we've been talking about now for, well, I guess five years really, since uh, the Spectre vulnerabilities were first announced. Um, in that case, under speculative execution, the data that's loaded could come uh, could be stale and could actually come from other processes or other uh, memory regions that the current process doesn't actually have access to. And therefore, it can leak the contents of that to that other process. And therefore, it can do things like uh, read cryptographic keys or other from other processes. The fix in this case was a microcode update, as may be suggested, because we're updating the Intel microcode package. That microcode update changes the behavior of the CPU such that when it runs this gather instruction, it stops the CPU from doing that speculatively and instead waits for the data to be available before executing the instruction. In this case, that does give a bit of a performance hit. You get a bit of a stall in the pipeline there, obviously. Uh, and that can actually be measured at up to 50% in some use cases, although there is a, a small number of, I guess, uh, arbitrary kind of benchmark where that is the case. Well, and others this performance hit is pretty negligible now there's a couple things i guess that are interesting about this not just it is yet another cpu architecture vulnerability uh, there is a kernel patch that goes along with this uh, that will be coming out to ubuntu kernels uh, within the next week or so from you know when i'm recording this which is on friday the 18th of august so hopefully by this time next week all our kernels are up out with the associated kernel patch that kernel patch doesn't really do anything to the mitigation. It doesn't, you know, the mitigation is entirely in microcode, but it does allow you to turn that mitigation off through a kernel command line argument if you need to, or if you want to, you know, if you're running only trusted instructions or trusted processes, you can turn that off and obviously, you know, regain that performance hit that you may have suffered with the microcode change. Uh, the other thing I suppose is that uh, if we look at the public disclosure timeline for this vulnerability, it was originally reported to Intel back on the 24th of August, 2022. And as I said, today's 18th of August. That's nearly a full year um, since that was disclosed to Intel till that has now gone public. Uh, so yeah, interesting to see, I guess, uh, the amount of time it's taken for this one to be fixed and announced publicly. Uh, as I say, Ubuntu kernels don't have the associated fix yet, but they will be coming out um, hopefully by the end of next week. So moving on, what else? Uh, PyPDF2 was updated, uh, GoYaml, Pigments. I talked about that vulnerability back in episode 110, a regular expression denial of service vuln uh, that's gone back now for Ubuntu 1404. Uh, MySQL was updated at the latest upstream point releases, WebKit GTK, similarly for a bunch of vulnerabilities there, uh, LibTIFF, uh, another GStream of vulnerability, uh, Ceph and OpenStack Heat as well. And uh, that is it for the last couple of weeks in security vulnerabilities. So apologies there if I mentioned your favorite package but didn't go into details on the vulnerability. It's just, you know, we have so many to go through. There's only so many we can, uh, can talk about. 
Okay, so a few things I guess that I have missed in uh, the preceding weeks of either podcast episodes or missing podcast episodes. I just wanted to mention here, uh, so the uh, latest point release in 2204 LTS has now been released. So Ubuntu 2204.3 LTS is now out. This rolls in all the different fixes that have gone into Ubuntu 2204 since the previous point release, so 2204.2, both including things from uh, the updates pocket plus the security pocket. So all the different things that you've heard me talk about in terms of security security fixes are on are in there now plus all the different uh, updates as well uh, so you know if you are already running Ubuntu 2204 uh, there's no need to upgrade or anything like that if you are installing updates and having security updates installed you've got all those fixes already you don't need to go and reinstall but if you are installing Ubuntu 2204 for the first time on a machine you can now uh, have some updated uh, media there that includes all those fixes out of the box so you don't have to download a heap of stuff there what else? Oh, so Ubuntu 2210, uh, the venerable Kinetic Kudu, which was the previous interim release, has now gone end of life. Uh, that happened at the end of July. So if you are still running that release, you are not getting any security fixes. Uh, that is outside of a support period. So you should upgrade to the current interim release, which is the Lunar Lobster or 2304. Uh, yeah, that will be supported still uh, for another few months. So yeah, definitely upgrade to that if you are running it. Otherwise, you, know, you are vulnerable to certain vulnerabilities. And the other thing I wanted to talk about is um, something that I, I myself have been working on, which is uh, restrictions for the use of unprivileged name, user namespaces in uh, Ubuntu 23.10. So uh, this has been developed by uh, the upstream MapArmor developers, so John Johansson and Georgia Garcia on our team. The idea there really is that, as I've talked about on a bunch of podcast episodes previously, is that unprivileged user namespaces give a really good um, widening of the attack surface for the, for the kernel and therefore the ability to launch various different attacks that you can't normally do as an unprivileged user. Basically, when you become uh, or when you create a new user namespace, you can be root in that. And so if you're an unprivileged user and then you can enter root within this user namespace, the idea really is that the kernel's meant to kind of keep all the sensitive parts away from you. But unfortunately, you know, we've found many, many times again, it opens up uh, various different attack vectors that can be uh, can be mounted, as we saw even in this uh, this podcast episode earlier. So the idea there is that we want to use AppArmor to restrict the use of unprivileged user namespaces to only those applications that really require it. What we're going to do there is define a bunch of profiles for all of those applications within the archive that use them and uh, so that out of the box everything that needs them can use them but if you're you know some proof of concept that's running on your machine or if it's uh, someone that gets arbitrary code execution within another application that doesn't use unprivileged user namespaces it won't be able to use them so the usual kind of I guess depends in depth that we do so that is uh, you know, very close to landing. Um, something I didn't mention, I suppose, is that the current development release has now just entered feature freeze. And so we did miss the feature freeze deadline to land that. Uh, it is hopeful that we will land that within the next week or so. So we'll be just past feature freeze. So we'll file a feature freeze exception and go through all the usual processes there within Ubuntu to make that happen. Uh, but yeah, that will include both uh, changes to um, the latest upstream AppArmor release, which at the moment is 4, uh, 4.0 Alpha 2 but it'll probably be another alpha release or maybe a beta release that we will ship um, as the initial implementation for that in Ubuntu 23.10 or the Mantic Minotaur. Uh, so that gives us, I guess, the support that we need within the AppArmor parser, and then we'll go and define a heap of AppArmor profiles for all those packages as well. So as I mentioned, uh, or maybe I didn't mention, but I'm going to mention it now, I've developed a specification for this, essentially how this should happen within the Ubuntu archive for this release. Uh, it's on the Ubuntu discourse. If you want to read the nitty-gritty details, you can go and read that, but... That does give a flavor for some of the work the security team is doing uh, to make Ubuntu more secure in the future. 
And that does take us to the end of this week's episode. So if you've got any feedback on anything that you've heard here or otherwise, you can always contact the team. You can email us at security.com or we hang out in the Ubuntu security channel on chat because we're old school like that. Or we are on Mastodon. We're at Ubuntu security at postadon.org there as well. Okay, so thanks again, everyone, for listening again for another week. I'll likely be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye.